As parents, we do our best to help our children to want to behave and speak nicely towards us. But sometimes children refuse to change their disobedient and impulsive behavior. Today, we will learn from Kirk Martin on how we can overcome the challenges we face when disciplining apathetic, strong-willed children. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Welcome to the month of disciplining with Raising Christian Kids. I am just so happy that we're going to be sharing some really wonderful experts with you. And it might blend into the next month also because we have such great stuff to share. But today I'm so excited that we have Kirk Martin. He is the founder of CelebrateCom.com and has helped almost 1 million parents stop the yelling, defiance, and power struggles with the most strong-willed children. He is also the host of the Calm Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the show, Kirk. Hey, Leanne. It's awesome to be here to start the new year. I'm excited. Yes. And so tell us about your organization, Celebrate Calm, and what resources do you offer families? So we deal, especially with the strong-willed kids who don't respond to consequences that well, who want to do things on their own terms, right? Who wake up in the morning with an agenda. They know what they want. They know what they don't want. And what they don't want is anything that you want them to do as a parent. So it's really frustrating. So the best resource we have, honestly, is the podcast, because I do at least one a week. They're usually short and sweet with a specific topic. So feel free to listen to those. So we know how hard this is because our son, who works with us, was one of the most strong-willed children I've ever met. And we've got, uh, we have something called the Calm Parenting Package. So it's a group, it's about 30 hours worth of resources with about 13 different programs. And what I'd mention is this, if you're ever interested in our resources and you're struggling financially, please email us. We help everyone. We just just ask for help. It's a really great quality to learn. And I know a lot of moms especially are like, I don't need any help. I'm going to do everything on my own. And so I encourage you to break that pattern by reaching out. Tell us you heard about us through Leanne's podcast and organization. And I promise we will help you no matter where you are financially, emotionally with your kids. Oh, thank you. And I'm sure there's parents out there listening to this podcast who you know, just making ends meet. It's rough out there. So as you know, this series is all about discipline. But unfortunately, some children, no matter what consequences are given, can be very apathetic. They don't want to change their behavior. Can you share how parents can overcome this problem with maybe some examples? Yeah, I'd say two things. Sometimes when we discipline, we make it very personal We tend to react out of anger at times or get very emotional. So when we do discipline, I do very even, matter of fact, discipline. I don't take it personally. Look, you have a choice to make. Here are the consequences. And you own the consequence. Totally up to you. I'm not angry at you. This is really important. I don't need you to behave. I don't need it. But it impacts your life, not mine. So I'm giving ownership to the child, because often, sometimes, Leanne, we kind of own it ourselves. After all I do for you, and I can't believe that, well, now I just made it about me. And so I like to put 
the responsibility on the child to say, look, you've got some choices here. I'm good with whatever choice you make. Just realize this is a positive consequence. Here's a negative consequence. So that's one kind of avenue I go down. But a lot of the kids we work with, I think, often feel helpless to change their behavior because these are very impulsive kids. So we talk a lot about giving kids tools to succeed. Quick example. Let's say morning routine is really difficult in your home, which it probably is. So getting your kids up, whether they go to regular school or homeschooling, some kids struggle with anxiety. They don't want to go off to school for many reasons. So here's a tool rather than, hey, if you're not up by X time, you lose all of your video games. I would ask teachers, wherever your child goes, to give your child a specific job to do. Oh, Rachel, I could really use your help. You're really good at doing X. When you get here in the morning, could you help me do X job? These kids tend to be very good at helping other adults. They're just horrible for their own parents, as any of you with strong-willed kids know. (laughs) You can do the tough approach. Hey, every morning we leave at 7.21 a.m. I like interesting time limits. Makes it more specific. For every minute you are late getting into the car, you then forfeit 10 minutes of your free time, screen time at night. That's a very practical. You're three minutes late, you just forfeited 30 minutes. It's not my favorite one, but I do like that. And then tools. I like for younger kids making morning fun. So I have a treasure hunt. Hey, hid your breakfast or your clothes outside. Bet you can't find it. These are kids who need their brains stimulated. And I have a lot of kids who, if you made morning a challenge and didn't mention school, right? Because here's what we do. Hey, time to get up for school. Well, I don't like school. I get in trouble at school. So that's not a good motivator. But me having a challenge of hiding something somewhere can be a tool to get their brain moving and create a success. And then one more is connection. Connection is really important because connection breeds cooperation. So I would often do with my son something where you be interested in something they're interested in. Hey, you know, the other day you were talking about X. I looked that up. I found a YouTube video. If you get downstairs dressed, ready to eat in the next seven minutes, we'll have time to watch that YouTube video about that topic you're interested in. You're connecting with something they're interested in and you're drawing them to you rather than, hey, you better get up or else. Because that's an awesome way to start the morning. So I think tools and creating successes. I like that. How about quickly, if you could just tell us, a mom has a teenager and he just doesn't want to do his homework. He doesn't care about his grades. That's, that's a real tough one. That's a really tough one. So there, what triggered in my mind is sparking the internal motivation. There's very little you can do to really externally motivate any human being, right? It has to come from within. So a couple things I think about. One is it may be a child who naturally struggles in school. We're going to do homework in different ways. We're going to do homework, experiment, listening to music. We might do it standing up, standing at the kitchen counter where he can move a little bit and tap something. And then the other thing is this, and this is a little bit longer answer. I'll do it in a quick way. I like getting kids using their gifts, talents, and passions to help other people. Because in the course of doing what they're naturally good at doing, it builds confidence. And so we call it mission and mentor. 
finding a mission. This could be helping an elderly neighbor or couple down the street. If you get a teenager going down the street to the Henderson's house, often what happens is that other adult will speak into your child's life and say, you know, you've got a gift. I can see you doing great things. How are you doing in school? And now your child's like, well, I don't really like it. And now another adult can help motivate your child because they're not usually going to listen to the parent because we're annoying and we lecture all the time. So having not an official mentor, but someone else, it could be a youth group leader, someone else and a mission to work on something they're good at doing, that provides a success in my life, something I'm good at doing. And it can often spark inside of me, wow, okay, if I want to do that in my life, if I want to do whatever it is, be an architect, do that, then I need to do well in school. And if you find an architect in your community, in your church and say, hey, one day a week, can my son come to your office and, and take out the trash and do think, do little, you know, the stuff you don't want to do, that often will spark because, Leanne, there are some kids who grow up and they know from an early age, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be a lawyer. Many of our strong-willed kids, they're not, not always academically inclined, so they usually don't have a vision for what they want. Sometimes... We have to find out what they care about instead of just what we care about, which is usually good grades and good behavior. Yeah, intrinsic desire from within. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. What do parents often do wrong when disciplining their children? This is a giant question. <laughs> I, I would say two things. I say reacting emotionally. I want to respond because if I react and create more drama, then my kids will stop telling me things and stop coming to me. So we react too much. And I think we take things personally, right? I mean, I, I don't think God is up there every day being like, I can't believe that you did that. How many times do I have to tell you not to do that, right? I think he knows like, you are dust. I kind of anticipated this issue. <laughs> I know who you are. Come to me because I can give you wisdom and tools to help you in this situation. And I'd say for discipline, remember that discipline literally means to teach. Jesus discipled by how he lived his life, not by lecturing and punishing and sending his disciples to their room, even though they deserved it often. He stayed in there with them and lived with them. So remember, remember teaching. What my child keeps messing up, how can I teach them how to not do that again. I love that. He even said, how long must I be with you for the disciples? How dull you are. <laughs> yes, well, because you, we all are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so be as patient with your kids as God our Father is with us, because everyone that's listening to this, including me, has messed up and sometimes in the same area for literally decades. And God has not given up on us. Yeah. And so patience is actually very helpful. And we have to remember as best we can when we were learning, when we were kids, when we were teenagers, my mother used to say, forgot your middle name. And I, and I would be upset because I really did forget. It wasn't like I was doing it on purpose. <laughs> so, you know, try to remember how I felt when my mother would discipline me in the situation. But <laughs> yes. So teenagers, you know, teenagers, they're all, they're becoming independent young adults. What is the best way to discipline a teenager who is rude and disrespectful? Okay. 
I'll try to do two, but I'll fit in one at least. This is a little different. Now I can go with, look, I can go with the tough thing of like, look, you can talk to me that way if you want. All I want you to know is the last 36 times you use that tone with me, it just didn't end well with you, for you. You lost your car keys, you lost your video games. See, there's no personal, it's just, you have a choice right now. So the last 37 times I've heard you use that tone, what I've noticed is you're usually anxious, you're frustrated, or you're hungry. Because I like to identify the root of it. You may continue to talk to me like that if you want, but it's just not going to end well for you. See, my discipline tends not to have a lot of energy. It's low key. Look, the car keys, the special things, if you think that you're going to talk to me like that, and then I'm going to turn around and drive you places, and do, it, it, it's just not how it works. I have too much self-respect because you don't have to respect me, but I, do, I can demonstrate self-respect, which is when people treat me like that, then I don't turn around and just drive them places. Or if you would like to grab some chips and salsa, or grab some chips, I'll grab salsa, I'll meet you out on the deck and I'll help you with whatever you're struggling with right now. That is my favorite, which is I hear the tone and the attitude and that alerts me, uh-oh, something's going on with my teenager. And then I like giving a little bit of space after I address a child of any age. Because if you just stand over them, you need to make a choice right now about your attitude. It's usually going to be negative. So now I become the trusted resource. He came to me with a bad attitude, with a bad tone. And instead of reacting and getting drawn into it, and replying with my own tone, I now lead what we would call I'd lead him to a calm place by my tone, by my demeanor, and by my saying something's going on and I want to help you with that. I, I love that approach, honestly, with teens. I, I think it's excellent. And I like how you said that you're exhibiting self-respect. I think that's so important as I respect myself enough not to put up with this type of rudeness or behavior. And you're exhibiting that to them, that modeling that for them to learn also for others. You know, I just love your stuff, Kirk. I, I hope our parents will go to celebratecalm.com. Thank you for the ministry and the work that you're doing, Lan. It's awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you. And this is how we work together to raise strong-willed kids who could become strong <laughs> Christian kids and adults. Yes, with big hearts. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.